Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Todd Pod. My name is Todd Lizenby. My guest today is Forrest Bennett. You're going to see his beautiful face soon. But first, let me tell you about our sponsors. MidFirst Bank, the Laser Light Skin Clinic, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Fire Lake Casino, and Oklahoma Ford Dealers. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford Dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. His name is Forrest Bennett. He loves Forrest. We'll get into that later. He represents the fight in 92nd District in Oklahoma City. He's a state representative. Forrest Bennett, welcome to the Todd Pod. What did I miss there? Did I do the introduction okay? I think you nailed it. I mentioned the 92nd District. Explain to people where that is. Let's do that first. Every every cool thing in Oklahoma City, it's in my district. <laughs> uh, town, downtown, and south side, part, part of the south side. Uh, so the Thunder, uh, the uh, Sistertail Park, um, the fairgrounds west of west of downtown, uh, all of that's in my district, and I've represented it since 2016. So you, uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things in this podcast, but let's start right there because it's right there in your district. You mentioned the Thunder. There is a uh, a campaign for a new vote on an arena, which has gotten a lot of publicity. Tell me um, more about I guess. I guess, first of all, what, what are your thoughts on, I know you're a big Thunder fan, so let's do this first. What do you think about the Thunder this year? It started off pretty well, right? Um, if the Bally Sports app would allow me to watch them, I'm sure I'd have a lot more to say. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Um, and I just, you know, from, from, a, from a political perspective, unfortunately, I think uh, the, the team playing well uh, around the same time as a vote happening will probably be beneficial for the yes campaign uh, because that's how people think. I know that there were uh, candidates for the city council who, when asked about the the arena vote, said something along those lines. And uh, so, you know, this is an inter- interesting intersection of politics and sports. I know that, okay, $950 million is the projected cost of the new arena. And um, I guess, first of all, the question to you is, what would you say to someone who's on the side of the team should pay more? What would, what would if you even want to counter that, uh, what would you say to someone who says the team should pay more or the team should pay for everything? There are people who believe that far extreme as well. Uh, I would say to the people who uh, want the team to pay more that I agree. I wish that they would. Um, I think that it would be a good show of faith. That said, I think um, that they are willing to, to contribute any is, uh, and I know plenty of people don't feel this way, but it is uh, unique considering our city size and the number of teams or the number of cities around the country that want NBA teams. And I think um, I, I'm, I'm a pretty dyed-in-the-wool progressive guy. Um, this issue has been really interesting to watch unfold. I have a lot of friends across the political spectrum, um, and and one one take that I uh, that got me thinking really was a pretty left wing guy that just said, "Look, this the vote on the twelfth is whether or not you want a team. We can discuss all of the other things. Yes, uh, I wish we had more leverage to to request more of the team. Uh, I wish that um, you know individual members of the ownership group." Uh, would would contribute more. I, I also wish that there was more communication from them about their uh, position. Um, I've heard things like the ownership group hasn't 
hasn't pocketed a dime of money. I know that the value of the team has gotten a lot uh, greater, but that they've been reinvesting. I think um, if I were their PR guy, I'd say you have a more compelling story to tell than you are telling. And um, from my from my perspective, at least, I think that it win them um, some more friends. And I, I just want to put this plug in because I've been doing this on Twitter. Uh, I really like what Phoenix has done with with bringing their broadcasts over local uh, free over the air television so that local fans can watch it. And I I I anticipate that the vote will pass. Uh, I don't know how by what margin. Um, but I think both campaigns will intensify over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I think assuming that it passes, it's a real missed opportunity if the Thunder doesn't find a way to make viewing our games more accessible Um, because it's a lot to ask nearly a billion dollars of of a a city and then ask them to also pay a a subscription so that they can watch the team that's playing right there. So, um, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot about this that's not perfect. Um, but as the representative for downtown Oklahoma City, I, I know what ripple effect the Thunder's presence has had. Um, I've talked to a lot of people who are lifers in Oklahoma City uh, who who know what, what kind of just a, an impact it's had on the city itself. Um, and I want to keep the team. Um, and it's sort of one of those, it's, it's a Schrodinger's cat, uh, Schrodinger's basketball team. We don't know if they would leave or if they would stay, if we don't pass it, you know, we just don't know. Uh, and so I think a lot of people are going to go to the polls on good faith, uh, one way or the other. And I know and love people on both sides of this issue. I find myself, um, a bit on the fence. I think I'll end up voting yes, because it's what we have. And I, that's just my view as a legislator. I oftentimes find myself with the option of voting yes or no, um, with no, room to negotiate. And in this building, at least, I have, um, I have found that line. Uh, sometimes there's more that I like than I don't, and I, and I vote for something that I know could be a lot better. Uh, there are times where I vote no because I think that we can find a better solution. Um, but I'm not, I wasn't, wasn't in those rooms, and um, I'm, I'm told that the, the team was encouraged to pitch in more and that they declined, and it is what it is. Well, I know that the proposed cost is $950 million. I think one of the biggest issues that, that is a realistic issue is that you look lately at stadium costs and everything goes over the proposed cost. So if this is capped out at the Thunder only paying $50 million, um, if the stadium costs $500 million more, is that $500 million more that's on the city or then would the Thunder pitch in more? I think that's a realistic ask as well. But I'm with you, and I think this is what why, and it's why I wanted to have you on because you are someone who understands that the right answer is oftentimes for many people polar opposite, and you've got to find a place to meet in that gray area to make something happen. It's not realistic to ask them to pay, uh, you know, the entire amount. Not for a city like Oklahoma City, not for an ownership group like that one. It's not realistic either. I think for them to pay nothing. I think that's also it goes against what they've said you know, and, and how much they care about the city and the growth of the city. I think a spot in the middle is fair, and uh, I appreciate that you have a nuanced view on it. But what do you think about the thought of the cost going over? Is that an issue to you? I'm sure. I mean, because of COVID and 
supply chain issues. Uh, a lot of cost of building materials is going up. Maybe it'll go down over the next uh, several years. We're not going to break ground on this if it passes uh, for for a couple of years. Um, so maybe maybe the the construction side of this will be better. Uh, but I think it would be worth a conversation uh, if the if the cost exceeds what is anticipated. Uh, but I also know that, you know, the city can minimize uh, cost of land acquisition, for example, by making sure that it's on property that they already own or that they can get it at, at a better rate. Uh, I am anticipating and hopeful that every player in this is going to be as creative as and, and innovative as possible to make sure that this is a good deal for the people. Um, that said, though, would be a great conversation to have with the ownership group about are you willing to pitch in if this goes over, over and above? And I, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk about, you know, I, I, think, I think a lot of people assume that this ownership group can just kind of pass a hat and come up with a billion dollars. And that's not the case. Um, they are wealthy people. Um, but liquid assets and, and asset and, and your, you know, your net worth are different things. Um, that said, I know that they could pitch in more. And so maybe they've got that in their back pocket to say, yeah, you know what, we know that this is going to go over. Uh, and we're going to pitch in later. But again, you know, I'm just an, I'm an over communicator. If you ask my wife, like we, I like to talk things to death and sometimes at the wrong times and I should probably just not, but I am frustrated that their inability uh, or lack of interest in communicating more earnestly with us. Um, and I'm sure that there's a PR tactic to that. Uh, but uh, from my perspective, just as a, as a people guy, I would have, I would have liked there to be more communication from them. And again, I think they could build goodwill uh, by, by being more honest with us about their position. Um, and again, they could build real goodwill if they find a way to make uh, broadcasted games free and accessible to everybody. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe you and I will do the broadcast, right? I'll do the play by play. You can do the, uh, the analysis. I'd be more than happy to man. <laughs> uh, and you know what? I really want to say, You'd have to be the, the person calling the shots and I can be the color commentator because I, I don't know if that's the right terminology anymore. Uh, because uh, I, I, my, my basketball education began when the Thunder got to Oklahoma City. You know, I tried to watch uh, basketball at OU when I was there, um, but we're a football state or a softball state uh, with football <laughs> close behind. And uh, so... I, yeah, I've really enjoyed, I mean, I've enjoyed watching the city itself educate themselves on basketball. I remember like the first couple seasons, people would shout at the TV or, or even in the arena shouting things that just did not make any sense. But we're all learning and growing, and I appreciate it. Uh, my granddad, I remember when the Thunder first got here, was amazed he didn't understand why they didn't use a possession arrow because he had only <laughs> watched college basketball. He's like, they're going to jump right there in the free throw line? Yeah, Paul, Paul, that's how it works. Uh, let's talk about something else sports related because it's been a hot topic in, in the last week. Now, as you and I record this, uh, we have an interview recorded with Kevin Stitt that's going to be released. Hasn't been released yet as we're recording right now. Barry Trammell got a chance to catch up with Governor Stitt and talk to him about his uh, newest sports gambling plan that he came out with again about a week ago as we're recording this. So I want to start with this for us because you you and I have talked about this in the past, just, you know, in passing. Explain to people, kind of give us the, uh, explain it to like us like we're a five-year-old, the history of sports gambling in Oklahoma, 
recently as you know it's been brought up and how it hasn't got through and it hasn't gotten any traction explain to people what that's looked like and why that's happened so far well so like when gambling became legal in the first place in oklahoma uh the precedent was set through legally binding compacts that the tribes had exclusive uh they, they had exclusivity over gaming and sportsbook is gaming so from the tribe's perspective, and honestly, from the court's perspective, I assume, uh, your uh, legalizing sports betting is would make it gaming and it would fall under the purview of the tribes. Uh, and the governor, God bless him, has, has ignored this. Uh, I don't, for context, a couple of years ago, you know, in his first term, he was trying through the press and through the public to renegotiate compacts with the tribes. And I don't know who was giving him legal advice, but it wasn't good because his vantage point seemed to be that if he didn't agree to uh, the compacts, that they could somehow renegotiate them. When in reality, the truth was, if there was no agreement on changing the compact, then it would renew as is. And that's exactly what happened. So, um, and, and I've been told that had he approached this in a different way, um, I think he was interested in getting a larger share of, of the profits from the gaming, from, from gambling. Uh, and, I, and I'm told that if, if he had been, uh, and this is, just, this is just hearsay of capital rumor stuff, but um, if he had been a little bit more of an honest negotiator, he could have maybe gotten something from them. But the reality is, the relationship between the tribes and the states never been more um, fraught than it is today as a result of that. But what you've seen is the tribal governments coming together in an unprecedented way, and then also the legislature, by and large, standing by the tribes. Uh, you can be as conservative as you want to be or as progressive as you want to be, but most of us have some tribal presence in our, um, in our uh, districts. Not to mention the fact that half of the infrastructure, healthcare, roads, bridges, uh, education uh, on the eastern side of the of the state uh, is tribal investment. So, I mean, if, if if we didn't have the tribal investment, Oklahoma would be picking up a hell of a lot more of a tab. Sorry for cursing. No, no, that's all. I mean, look who you're talking to here. Uh, I would just I would just say this. So, there's an old story that I heard recently about Oklahoma football. They went and played at Arkansas which is going to be a conference mate here coming up soon. I'll teach you a little Oklahoma football history here for us. I don't remember the year off the top of my head. I think it was 1907, maybe. They went and played at Arkansas. And Arkansas fans were throwing rocks at OU players during the game. And then they went back a couple years later, and an Arkansas fan took his gun out and shot into the ground twice and said, I bet you no sooner boys cross this goal line. So, after those two games, Benny Owen basically said, we're done with Arkansas. We'll never play there again. And from 1921 until now, they have not played a regular season game against each other. I think it's 1921. So my question is, what what needs? is there anything that can happen for the governor, for the tribes to get to the table? Or are we at the point of too many rocks have been thrown uh, that, you know, that the relationship is fractured? Is it realistic to think that this can happen for us? First of all, that puts Texas Tech's stuff in perspective. You know, tortillas are at least edible. Um, to your question, so the folks that I've spoken to that are 
either with the tribes or sympathetic to the tribes on this, said essentially based on the interpretation that most of us have of the compacts, this was not a this was not an honest offer because it's a non-starter because what he outlined was that the state would have jurisdiction over mobile betting, the tribes would have jurisdiction over in-person betting. 95% of proceeds from sports bet come from the mobile side. Uh, and on top of that, the, the licensing fees, I mean, this was a money grab on his, on his part. And, um, you know, ha- had it, I, I think the average Oklahoman um, isn't tuned in to the fight between the tribes and the governor enough uh, to, to really have an opinion on this. And I think that that's what he was trying to capitalize on. I think he was, I think he's made some unpopular decisions and I think he knows sports betting is a popular one. And I think he was trying to own that narrative. Um, and I don't fault him for that as a politician. I get it. But, but, but I do think it's a little bit disingenuous when you know it's a non-starter to try to have this conversation because we have over and again given people out in the real world this false hope that this is going to happen. But the fervor to make it happen in the Capitol has grown pretty consistently um, over the last few years. And uh, I know that the Thunder is interested in in bringing sports betting here. Uh, the tribes are obviously interested in it. There are legislators that are interested in it. And so, yes, I think that I think it's close. And it may just be that that it'll be, it'll happen when we have a, a different governor. Um, I know that I know that a few of the larger tribes are basically uh, not at the table anymore with the governor. And, and I think that that's a mutual thing. Um, and that's sad. I mean, it's it's. It's unfortunate that we're here uh, because I think that we could have gotten this last year had had things been um, a little bit less tense between them. Just to be clear, you're not announcing your run for governor, right? Not not today. No, okay. uh, I, I am running sure. for re-election to to the fight in ninety second for a fifth term. Uh, I'd love this. I'd love this job, and I've loved representing Oklahoma City. Um, and I've loved watching it grow and, um, and the tribes have been a part of that growth and, uh, and the state has too. Like I have a lot of state agencies downtown. So I, I, people don't think about it, but downtown Oklahoma city, Oklahoma city is at the intersection of this for sure. Um, and I, uh, I do hope that the next governor, whoever he or she is, um, has a better relationship with the tribes because I think we could unleash some economic impact with this. And the, the sooner the better for that, because the state needs to bring in revenue. Man, I'm a tax spend liberal, and you can't spend it if you don't bring it in. <laughs> well, I'm I'm going to ask. This is under the realm of there are no dumb questions. So, I've been to Kansas. I've played games on my phone, right? I bet you know five bucks on a OU or OSU game or whatever. Um, it's very simple to do. You cross state lines, you hop on the app, it picks you up via GPS, and you place a bet. How there's so many different tribes that are outlined by so many different areas. Is that an issue with mobile betting that, you know, if you are on, you know, say Cherokee, you know, land or whatever, is that going to go to the Cherokee tribe if that's where you place the bet? Is that a problem at all? I would I assume so. Yeah. And and we've not like not gotten to that part of the conversation yet because we're still dealing with whether we can actually do it. Um, But yes, you know, I. That's another wrinkle here is that the tribes don't all agree on um, 
on how to move forward. And I think that would be a pretty tangled mess. Uh, but there are enough other states that are doing this uh, that I think that we have a patchwork of, of uh, different examples that we could we can sort of put together and cobble together to find a, a solution here. Um, and I would anticipate that the tribes have begun thinking about how this will work logistically um, when the opportunity comes. Because I think their view, and I think most people view, is this is inevitable. It will happen. Um, just how it happens is, is going to be uh, the question. And I think, you know, maybe one of the, one of the governor's talking points could be that, yeah, if, if the state owns the mobile aspect of this, then it'll be easier to deliver to the people. Um, because again, you know, I think that most people are sympathetic to the tribes. I think most people understand the contributions of the tribes, but people who want to bet on sports just want to bet on sports and they don't care so much who, who's doing it, uh, how it's being delivered to them. They just want it to work, be pretty seamless. Um, and they want to hope that their bets are right. Yeah, the good news is you can bet on games in Kansas. The bad news is you got to hit a two-team parlay just to pay the outrageous toll to drive to Kansas City. So <laughs> um, that's it's kind of a give and take when you go to Kansas. All right, before we get you out of here, Forrest, we're going to have a little bit of fun. I mentioned earlier that your name is Forrest and you support Forrest. And by that, I mean Nottingham Forest in the Premier League. This is a new kind of obsession for you. You've always kind of liked soccer, but you've never really latched on to a Premier League team. I think the question or the answer is obvious on why Nottingham Forest. So I guess <laughs> tell me in 60 seconds why you have gotten into the Premier League and into soccer. I fell in love with soccer uh, years ago and didn't know much about it at all. You're right. You're spot on. Um, and I tried I tried to find a home team in the Premier League because that, that soccer is just uh, the best to watch. I have uh, an MLS team at Sporting Kansas City, um, and I tried to I tried to like Liverpool, I tried to like Everton, I tried, and it just never nothing ever fit, nothing felt good. And we were watching a couple of seasons ago, and um, the the conversation was, will Nottingham make it? Will Will Forest come up to to the Premier League? And I promised my friends who all have their teams uh, and have been loyal to them, if Forest makes it, I will be a Forest fan. And they made it, and then immediately were really bad. And all of my friends were like, Force, you said you were going to be a Force fan, so you better stick to it. And I did, reluctantly. Um, and now I've fallen in love with it. I love the culture. Uh, I love Steve Cooper. Um, I, I like how they fight. Uh, my, I love the Tricky Trees uh, idea. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a fun talking point uh, when people ask me what my Premier League team is. And when I'm at Skinny's, and it's like a little war between all the, the other big teams, uh, I'm just kind of the Switzerland over there, just like, hey, we're happy to be there, you know? <laughs> right. Right, and I do want to also mention Matt Turner, who's an American goalkeeper. Yes, played for Nottingham Forest. Although at the time of this recording, he's not in—he's uh, not best regarded by his manager. He got dropped from the last game after a pretty bad mistake. He did in the one pretty, previous, so pretty high yeah. profile mistake. And and uh, but, I'm hoping that he'll—I hope he doesn't get the yips. I hope he gets to come back. And they say you Democrats don't support America, but here you are supporting Matt Turner. All right, uh, let's go to another one. Speaking of soccer, I understand. My good friend Eli Letterman, also your good friend Eli Letterman, told me to ask you about your illust illustrious indoor soccer career with the Trash Pandas, formerly known as the Red Pandas. Yeah, uh, I'm a proud member of the Red Pandas slash Trash Pandas. We're in our hashtag trashy era right now. Uh, and actually, when we changed our name from Red Pandas to Trash Pandas, uh, we started getting better. But I want to be very clear. We're Trash Pandas FC, and most people would think okay. that means football club. 
We are a friendship club. And the reason, <laughs> and I sold this to the, to the team this way. If you see a team that has a three and nine record, for example, uh, and they are a football club, you're like, that's a bad football club. But if you see a friendship club with a three and nine record, you go, wow, that's just a bunch of friends who are doing their best. And that's all we're doing. You politicians at repackaging stuff and giving it to us in a way we like. You're so good at it. Uh, all right, let's go to this one. Speaking of politicians, we just had this as we're recording this last Saturday. So I'm going to ask the question to you. You're a state representative. Why can't you guys make them play Bedlam? You know what? I don't know that we've ever thought of it. I'll <laughs> run that up the flagpole. See, I'm going to the speaker's office right after this and see. Um, you know, the football programs in Oklahoma are uh, – uh, both at Oklahoma State and OU, huge juggernauts. And I, I'm sad that we're going to miss this, uh, that, that, that this uh, tradition is going to go away. My wife is an OSU grad, and I'm an OU grad, and we've had a lot of fun um, pretending to hate each other on, the, on that weekend. Uh, and, man, like my OU friends, I got to tell you, stop talking about the overall record because the last game ever played was won by OSU, and until we meet them in, the, in, in a, a bowl or something, they're going to hang that over us. And uh, frankly, maybe this is the most controversial thing I'll say today. After the way that we have acted historically, OU fans, we kind of deserve it. Ooh, that is kind of controversial. But, I, but, but the caveat is I think we're on a, a good path. Um, I think – with a couple coaching changes, maybe we can, we can really make it. And, uh, I, I am, I was really proud. I was really proud of the OU fan base, uh, that came together after Lincoln left. It was quite the spectacle. Um, and, uh, I think it really brought a lot of people together. I have a lot of new followers on social media that, that I followed during that time. Um, and it's a broad swath from the political standpoint, but we usually get, get on the same page when it comes to OU. So, it is still a great um, common common good that brings people together, whether you hate OU or love OU. I'm always shocked for us how many people don't know who represents them in state government. So <laughs> some people may not realize this. There are a lot of really good former athletes in state government. So right now, uh, in the legislature, who's the most athletic person? If, you, if you're playing like a game of five on five, who's your first pick? Um. Well, Monroe Nichols and Mickey Dollins in the in the House Democratic Caucus both played college football, so uh, I'm bringing them in. Uh, there's a guy, uh, Chad Caldwell. He's an Arsenal fan, uh, but he played soccer uh, in college. Uh, I'd bring him on. Um, I think I'd probably include the speaker just because I think people will be afraid to tackle him because they don't want to lose funding for whatever. So um, that's a really fun thought experiment. And I'm going to need to look at my roster and decide who's going to be my starting. Maybe next time you come on, we'll just get everyone's uh, headshot out and we'll have a draft. Maybe yes, the next that's, time that's, that sounds fun. And I mean, <laughs> ask Eli, I think I'm one of the spiritual leaders of our team. Um, I'm not necessarily the skill leader of our team uh, when it comes to soccer, but I'm trying. Well, the good thing is uh, we can have a draft. The bad thing is I think Sam Presti owns all of my picks, so <laughs> I don't know that I would be able to even feel the team. Uh, all right, last one before I let you go. I always have people like, you know, tell us about what you've got going on. Like I had Tyler Neal on recently. Tell us about your show. So I've never had anyone in government on the Todd Pod yet. You're the first person. So I'm going to let you, Forrest Bennett, 
brag on your district. Tell everybody about some of the great things about your district. And it is the best. Before I, Tyler, uh, Neil played against us my first season with the Red Pandas and they kicked our ass, but I did strip the ball from them once. It was a glorious <laughs> thing, but he, he got in my head. He like, it was pretty impressive. Uh, my district is great. It's a, it's the cross section of the state of Oklahoma. I think we have incredible things going on. We have high school students that are involved in FAA future farm or FFA future farmers of America. Uh, and we have the first national building, one of the most metropolitan places that you can find in the state of Oklahoma. Um, we, we have, it's one of the most diverse, uh, hardworking districts in the state. You've got a lot of working class people, a lot of young, um, up and coming people and a lot of really exciting things happening in Midtown, downtown in, and on the South side in Capitol Hill. I think that's going to be, um, one of the next great areas uh, of development in Oklahoma city. And, and I'm really proud of the community there for working hard to make sure that it maintains the culture that we have right now. And, um, I'm working on uh, issues of affordable housing and things like that to make sure that people aren't displaced by the successes that we're experiencing in Oklahoma City. That's been a big priority of mine uh, in the last few years is we're seeing the, the economic trends and the projections of what's happening in Oklahoma City. And it's great. But um, when they say we're the next Austin or the next whatever, uh, we need to look to those cities and see what they didn't do. Austin is a traffic nightmare today because they didn't plan ahead. Uh, and uh, their uh, housing is out of control because they didn't plan ahead on that. And so I'm working in a bipartisan way. In fact, next week I'm doing a, an interim study on affordable housing with a friend of mine, Daniel Pay, fellow OU grad uh, from Lawton. And um, so I'm excited about that. And it's uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll make some progress. Uh, I want people to know that, that they see a lot of uh, disagreement and vitriol in the news, uh, but a lot of us do get along and a lot of us do have common goals for making Oklahoma a better place uh, to live, work, and raise your families. And, um, and I'm, proud of, I'm, I'm proud that for at least these few years, I get to be a part of that. Forrest, you may not know this, but two of my favorite, personal favorite fanboy moments you were in the house for, uh, one of them was in 2021, I got the chance to take my two oldest sons to the OU Texas game, which you were there for, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. You and your lovely wife, Meg, were right there where the fox ran on the field, right? Yes. And then I was on the other side, but I let my boys rush the field and all that. It was a blast. I told them, I was like, I ruined OU Texas for you. It's never going to be that good again. I know. Um, and it nearly was this year. But yeah. the other one is, I was with you at Skinny's when Man City uh, scored three goals to come back to beat Aston Villa to win the Premier League, I uh, put you in a really weird spot because everyone in there hated me because I was one of the few Man City fans. All the Liverpool fans hated me, and you were there with me. So I appreciate you being my bodyguard. Uh, I appreciate your friendship, and I appreciate you coming on today and being honest with everybody. I'm happy to do it and happy to, happy to come back anytime, man. Don't forget, if you like what you heard or what you saw, subscribe, leave a message, leave a comment, leave a rating, all that good stuff. Tell your friends about us. If you didn't like what you heard, I would hate it if you subscribed. That would just ruin my day uh, if you didn't like what you heard. And also, uh, big thanks to Jacqueline Musgrove, our producer. Big thanks to Michael Lane, our creative director. For Forrest Bennett, my name is Todd Lisenby. You've been listening to The Todd Pod. Mm-hmm.